Hello, my name is Katie, and today is a very exciting episode of the Truth for Your 20s podcast. Today is our first day back after a little break. I appreciate your patience with me as I took a little bit of a summer break. But today is also exciting because it is our podcast baby's three-year birthday. Three years ago, I hit publish on this thing having no clue what I was doing. <laughs> Learned a lot along the way, but... 260,000 downloads later. We have listeners in over 11 different countries, which is just bananas to me, uh, mostly U.S., but if you're listening to this podcast from a country outside of the U.S., I would love to hear from you. Send me a DM on Instagram. I'm at Katie Bulmer Life, and the link is in the show notes of this episode, but yeah, I would just love to hear from you and give you a shout out, and if you have been here since the beginning, if you, or if you've just listened to every episode, like I am so just humbled that anyone listens besides like, I don't know, my mama or something, but the fact that so many of you guys listen, I'm just so humbled and thankful for you. So we'll just do some giveaways. If you are a listener from outside of the U.S., if you are a listener who listened to every single episode, or if you can leave me a review on iTunes and just send me a screenshot any of those are acceptable entries. Just send me a DM and let me know. I'm at Katie Bulmer Life on Instagram. So just let me know if you are a listener outside of the US, if you have listened to every single episode, and or you have left a review for the Truth for Your 20s podcast on Spotify or iTunes. You can simply do that by sharing a screenshot with me. I will not be able to check up on you if you have listened to every single episode. So that's going to be the honor system. And I, you don't have to prove your address. I just trust you. You guys are honest people, but I would love to send you some truth for your 20 swag. We have bags and notebooks. I'll send you both of them. Not every single person to be clear, but if you send me a DM, we will just pick a few people at random and send you those gifts. Okay. So this episode is a celebratory episode. I look back since we've been airing for three years now in the top five episodes, we're going to share a clip of all of those. Quick housekeeping before we move on. Truth For Your 20s is going to go to bi-weekly episodes moving forward. So that means every other week, which gives me more time to promote, more time to give you quality and not just quantity. So I appreciate you rolling with us as we figure out the best way to do this thing well and do it to the best of our ability. So going forward, that will be the new regular. And speaking of quality, here are the top five episodes you like the most on the Truth For Your 20s podcast. If you are in your 20s hoping there is more to life than boys and Bacardi, you are in the right place. Katie Ballmer has been a keynote speaker to over 60 colleges nationwide, encouraging 20-somethings to realize their worth, find their calling, and not date dirtbags. But seriously, Katie is an author, viral TikTok creator, wife, mom of two girls, and your adopted aunt that you never knew how bad you needed. Ready to have some real conversation tackling the hottest topics? This is the Truth For Your 20s podcast. Okay, our fifth most downloaded episode of all times is with Amy Gannett. Amy Gannett is founder of Tiny Theologians and the author of Fix Your Eyes. She's a super smart theologian, but her passion and what she's really good at is just helping the regular person understand the Bible. The title of this episode was A Beginner's Guide to Understanding Your Bible. I love this. And I know you talk about in the book, something along the lines of like why every believer is called to be a theologian. And I want to unpack that because you kind of mentioned that, you know, the knowledge of the Bible and worship go hand in hand or theology and, and worship go hand in hand. And I think that's true. And I think that's beautiful, but I see so many times, Oh, well they need spiritual direction. So talk to the pastor, talk to mm -hmm. this person. Like I can't help you. And 
yeah, I think that you have a great point that we're all called to be theologians. So I love for you to unpack that. Yeah. And, you know, so I'm also a person in ministry. So I'm also the person, my husband and I are, at least in our church, that when people are like, hey, you should talk to the pastor, they're talking about my husband. Or when they say, hey, you should talk to somebody and they want to talk to a woman, it's me. So I say this as a person who is really passionate about, you know, being an available person in ministry for the people in our congregation. And there are times like, I don't want to downplay the times where like professional help is needed. Like I have benefited throughout my life from professional counseling and from getting advice from somebody who's specifically trained in an area that is so, so valuable. So we don't want to downplay that. But the reality is, is that a lot of times we relegate theologian to the same level of like a doctor or a physician or a professional counselor. We're so quick to say it's only for the pros. It's only for people who have graduated from seminary. And while not every single one of us should like bite off writing a, you know, theological textbook or something like that, well, yeah, we should leave that to the people who, you know, are translating, you know, the books from the original languages. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, there's a reason N.T. Wright is writing the best books on Paul and on the book of Romans, and, you know, these people who are scholars in their areas. There's a reason for that. But theology, by definition, is the knowledge of God, or when we apply it to our lives, the pursuit of knowing God. And when we boil it down to that kind of definition, like it is the responsibility. It's so clear to us. It's the responsibility of every single Christian to know the God who we profess to believe and who we say is our Savior. And so because of that, I think it's really, really important that each of us embrace our responsibility or our identity as a theologian, because otherwise what's going to happen is if we say, oh, I'm not a theologian, it actually doesn't change the fact that we already have a theology in place. We already have some belief system about who God is in place. The question is, is it biblical or not? Like so many of us believe things about God that may have just been passed down culturally, or they were a part of our church upbringing, or something our grandma said to us for several years every Easter when we went to church with her. And they may be great, they may be biblical, but they may not be. And so when we say, oh, I'm not a theologian, it doesn't actually change the fact that we have a theology in place. We have a belief about who God is already established. But what happens when we say we're not theologians is we never take the time to question whether or not what we believe about God lines up with what God has said about himself in scripture. So to use the spouse or friend metaphor again, it's almost as if I say like, yeah, I know my husband Austin really, really well. And I start telling you things about him. And he's like, actually in the background going, wait a second, (laughs) I'm not wired that way. That's not how I operate in relationships. That's not how I function. And the truth is, is that God has told us who he is. He's told us what he is like. He's given everything that we need to know him and to worship him in his word. And so we do really well when we embrace the fact that we have a theology, that we are theologians, and then we check that against the word of God. And how we do that is just by reading the word. We just need to be students of the scripture, lifelong students of the scripture, not just that we can know a bunch about God, but that we can know him and grow in loving him as well. So to someone who might be like, you know, listening and want to grow, but maybe not know where to start. Uh, This is all kind of new to them. Do you have suggestions of kind of where the baby steps on how to start with this? Yeah, I think one of the best places to start is to start reading your New Testament and start reading in the book of Mark. I love the book of Mark because it tells us so much about Jesus's life and ministry. It's a great place to start. It tells us a lot about who 
God is, why Jesus came, that sort of thing. And so for the person who says, oh, I feel like I need to jump into the book of Romans. Romans is sort of a theological book and a great book. Don't get me wrong. But for somebody who's saying, this is actually a little intimidating to me. It's maybe my first time. Start with a book like that or start with a book like Philippians, which is a letter written in the New Testament that explains to new believers what it means to live as Christians. Now they have these new identities. They're no longer a part of the Jewish faith. They're a part of the Christian faith. They're no longer considered outsiders to the members of God if they were Gentiles. They're included in the family of God. And so Paul writes in this letter and says, what does it look like to live out your Christian faith? Well, isn't that the same question all of us are asking? What does it look like to live out our Christian faith? And so some of these letters are written in really practical ways that help us, you know, remember to pray. Like Paul tells them, rejoice in prayer, even when you're suffering. Learn contentment, like these very practical things that apply to my life today. They apply to your life today. So start in one of those books. I think it's a great place to start. And then as you sort of find yourself not in your pace, you know, whether you read a chapter a day, whether you read half a chapter a day, whatever it is, once you find your pace through some of those, you know, New Testament books, then read Genesis. Genesis is a long book and it's the first book of the Bible. It's a long book in the Old Testament. But it's full of stories that point us to who God is and what he's been doing since we, before we even entered the scene, before, you know, before Jesus even came to earth, it just tells us so much of um, the foundational story of salvation from the very beginning, how humanity fell into sin and fell away from God and how God from the very beginning promised a savior. So those are the places I would start. All right. Our fourth most downloaded episode of all time is with Deborah Fietta. I love this lady. She has been a two-time guest on the podcast. She's just a relationship genius. She is a counselor by trade, helps people with relationships and counseling, has written several books. Also recently with Gary Thomas, who is the male version of a relationship genius. I love both of these people and everything they have to say about relationships, healthy dating, healthy marriage. And I think you obviously love this episode too. So here is a highlight clip. Oh, and the title of this one was called, Are You Relationship Ready? I started writing articles, which turned into books. So my first three books are real relationship focus. And I would say, like you just said, my theme is that healthy people make healthy relationships because we attract people on our level of personal health. So, so with that in mind, you know, I just felt led in this season to write a book about the healthy people part. Like if, if we're saying healthy people make healthy relationships, I wanted to really zoom in on the healthy people part and help the reader really figure out like, am I healthy? What do I need to work on? What does health even look like? And how do I begin to tackle it? Because I think when you say becoming healthy, that can sound a little overwhelming. Like where do you even begin? You know? I love everything about this. I, when I do mentoring, you know, one of the things that people often say is we kind of have this mentality. I don't know if you want to blame it on Disney or what, but like uh, a relationship is what I need for my happily ever after. Like yeah. if I just find the right person, then all my hopes and dreams will come true. But obviously you and I both know that's, that's flawed thinking, but I'd love to hear your feedback on why that is not the answer. Well, it, it's true. We we have this false mentality that a relationship is somehow going to fill us up. You know, yeah. I think of it as like let's just say that you are a cup and you're half full emotionally or or spiritually, and so we go through life just wanting to find that other half, assuming that they're going to fill us up. 
And when you do find that person, you've got another half full cup, like they're half full, you're half full, you put them together. And all of a sudden you feel like you've got this full cup when really you actually still have two half empty people who are desperately trying to fill each other up and it doesn't work. You know, it might work for a few minutes, but we who are married in long-term relationships know that that is not the answer to feeling whole. That is not the answer to having purpose and security. And we end up going into relationships with all this baggage, these emotional obstacles, our past trauma and wounds, and just things that are really preventing us from doing relationships well. But where does it start? Well, they come in and see me. We want some communication. We want to work on our communication. We want to work on our relationship. But really what they each need to work on is getting healthy, standing alone. And so for those of us who aren't yet married, that's the best place to begin. You know, if healthy people attract healthy relationships, well, then a huge part to the equation of finding somebody who is healthy, dating somebody in a, in, in a proper way, marrying well, a huge part of that is taking a step back and starting to work on myself standing alone. And so that's kind of the hope for this conversation is that people will say, okay, I need to take a step back and really take inventory of how I'm doing and what I'm dealing with. One of my favorite jobs when I was in my 20s was being a babysitter, which is why I'm so excited to tell you about Everly Agency. Everly Agency offers a boutique nanny matching service tailored to each individual family. They have a unique process of narrowing down families and nannies to find a really good, long-lasting, flourishing relationship. No matter where you are located, check them out and see if it's a good fit for you. They are growing like crazy. You can find them right here in the show notes or search Everly Agency on Facebook. Whether you work with littles or you have some littles of your own, find your happily Everly after at Everly Agency. Hey, if you enjoy this podcast, you support us by shopping our online store. I have books and swag and t-shirts and all kinds of other goodness. Also, if you enjoy my advice, I also offer online mentoring. You can pull up my calendar and find a time that works for you. And I also have some pre-recorded options available. Check out all the information you need at katiebromer.life. Okay, our third most downloaded of all times deals with anxiety. I interviewed Elle Ingalls, the founder of the Pressure Free Method. She has incredible insight on how to deal with anxiety, what it does to our brain, and three steps to get out of the cycle. If you can learn this, it's going to change how you work, how you are in interviews, how you are in relationship, because you're not going to be overstimulated with all those chemicals. And they really mess with your, your sex hormones too. That's why some women have really terrible periods and really, you know, just, we can go on and on about the chemical soup we start to create with all this. So three simple steps, targets, triggers, tools. I just coached 55 leaders at Microsoft and they said the three steps are gold. (laughs) So first targets with targets, what I mean are what is it you'd like to see happen in your life? I encourage my clients to dream big. Like even if you've had a chronic disease your whole life, what if you were free of it? I could have never believed my eczema would leave me. It was 35 years that I had it. So think for a moment and think, okay, if I didn't stress out anymore, like what could be possible? How much money do you want to make? Do you want a promotion? I had a woman I coached at Blue Cross Blue Shield who actually created a whole new position and lifted herself right up into it. You know, like what's possible for you? 
So targets are important and they're the first step of the method because they're your fuel. And you hear this all the time. You need a deep reason why. Why do you want to change? Why do you want to make this happen? And so I really dig in with people to say, okay, sky's the limit. What do you really want to have happen? Once you've defined your, your, your targets, and those usually include performance, relationship, and health. Those are typically the three areas. Now we can start to identify triggers. So triggers are anything that cause you to release the fight or flight stress hormones. So let's give an example. Well, we had a perfect example this morning, Katie. Yes. <laughs> we were supposed to be on a different platform this morning. And for some reason it crashed on us. And so we had what I refer to as tech stress issue. Yes. And I'm one of those people that if I push the button and I've spent thousands of dollars on all my rigs and my lighting and all the stuff I have in here, and I push the button and it doesn't work, that's extremely annoying. Sure, it is. <laughs> and so not to mention that we value people's time and it's like, oh, I forgot to say to you, I have plenty of time, Katie. You don't have to rush, right? Because <laughs> we'll be messed up about that. We don't yeah. want to waste other person's time and all of that. So so let's take just the tech stress. You push the button, it doesn't work. If you trigger fight or flight, your amygdala in your brain is going to tell your heart rate to charge up. That's why you might feel your heart rate going up to tell your adrenal glands to release the flood of hormones. Adrenaline is the chief one, but it actually is a cocktail of catecholamines. So I like to say you're now under the influence for up to 24 hours. Okay. Wow. And when that all happens, you move into those B behaviors like that. The whole thing starts to happen. Here's what a lot of people don't know. Once the first flood goes out, a little later, there's a second flood of hormones. And it all just depends on the how much of the release, who you are, what the situation is. But at some point, your brain's going to say, okay, that threat is over. We fixed the tech issue. So at some point in these next few hours, yours and me, if we triggered, our brain is now going to say, okay, time to fix all this. We don't need this cocktail anymore. We've got to get the brain cells and the extremities back to normal. That's why you get the sweaty palms or cold hands or feet. People will say it's a thyroid issue. First, it's a stress hormone issue. And then that will mess with the thyroid. So is this making sense? Like, yes, I'm, I'm like fascinated. I'm thinking about how I have cold hands all the time. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. gosh. I did too. Oh, and my feet would be so cold. I have to put on big, thick wool socks yes. in the winter. I should go to bed. Same. My husband jokes. He's like, you wear socks to bed? I'm like, don't make fun of me. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm the same thing. So yeah, I mean, it all has a reason. So that's why I'm enlightening you, empowering you, just by teaching you that it's a biological thing. Yes. So the second flood of hormones that goes out, we're hearing a lot about cortisol today. People are using CBD, THC to try and reduce cortisol. However, if you release the adrenaline, cortisol and glucose is going to go out to get your brain cells and your extremities back to normal. They're going to get the salt, sugar, and water content back to normal in the cells and you're powered back up. We don't want to reduce it if we have to fix all this. Does that yeah, make yeah. So that's why a lot of people who are thinking weed is helping them sleep at night, they're actually not getting a full night's sleep because you can't get into a delta wave sleep with marijuana. Wow. This is because like a lot yes. of people are trying this because it just got legalized in Michigan, what, a year ago. And now we have like a whole bunch of 20 to 30 year olds that are lost. They're quitting college, quitting school. They're lost. 
It's because this isn't functioning right. So you need the cortisol and you need the glucose. However, when cortisol hits your brain, it can make you feel anxious for no reason. That's powerful. I was working with a 14-year-old who'd been in chronic anxiety for two full years. When I shared that with her, it was like the light bulb came on. And she said, Elle, you're telling me I'm not really crazy then. I'm like, no, it's just these hormones telling you to be anxious and worried. But yeah. you don't need to be. You're safe in your home. <laughs> it's okay. And so she actually was the fastest I've ever had a client break the stress response. In two and a half weeks, she went a whole day without triggering. Wow. And I could tell because when I went to see her, she had a real smile on her face. Not a Aww. fake smile. You know, it was real. And I go, oh my gosh, you did it, didn't you? She goes, yeah, it's been like two days in a row. And oh. so it was cool to see. So when you, if you feel kind of that general anxiety, it's actually a listed disorder today in the psychology being compendium, general anxiety disorder. It's, it's the newest one, I guess. It can be because of this hormone. Also, it's a wake up drug. So that's why you might have trouble sleeping. So I have a client right now who just said, I can't believe it. I've never had a, like a real night's sleep in my whole life. She has a lot of anxiety and depression. She's like, I'm fully sleeping every single night now. I don't need any sleep aids. I don't need any melatonin, like all the things. It's actually the stress hormones that were the issue. So sleep is so important for us. We can feel anxiety because we're not getting enough. Yeah, it's a cycle. <laughs> it is this downward flushing, you know? So triggers, identifying what makes you feel angry or annoyed, anxious or afraid and ashamed or abused. So like with the name calling thing, if you hear somebody call you that name and you, you probably were triggering every time if it didn't make you feel good. So it's like, I'll teach you a couple of tools to remain neutral. So you don't overreact. And that's the thing today. Most of us are not under attack. We're overreacting to all these little things. And because we're driven, I'm sure everybody listening here, you're a high achiever. You really want a great life and you really want to be successful. And so that right there, if you feel any sort of disconnect can be one of the things that triggers you. So notice what's triggering you. It's like mapping them out. By the way, don't get discouraged because I once had a, a 17 year old complete two sides of an eight and a half by 11 in the tiniest little spider skull. <laughs> with all her triggers. Wow. And it was like, oh, no, 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 it's okay. <laughs> We're just going to work on a couple at a time. You know? Yeah, really, wow. A couple at a time because you could identify a lot of things that make you feel these emotions. And your emotions are valid. We're not going to stuff them down anymore. We're going to acknowledge them and see them. And then we're going to move to tools. So targets, triggers, tools. Tools and the 10-second solution. So from a resting heart rate, hopefully listening right now, you're on a resting heart rate, <laughs> it takes about 10 seconds before all the processes in the brain tell the heart rate to rise and the and adrenal glands to release that flood of hormones. So from a resting heart rate, 10 seconds is a pretty long time. Thousand one, thousand two, I'm not going to wait. <laughs> so it's plenty of time to either completely use any of the tools that I teach or at least start them. Now, if you're like me, you may have to pile a few tools in because you have a habit of reacting to something over and over again. So my husband and I, we raised three boys and one of my triggers is dirty socks in a place they shouldn't be. And 
the other day, there were some dirty socks. Now my boys don't live with us anymore. They're all grown, right? Yeah. But one day, a few years ago, actually the dirty socks were my own dirty socks. <laughs> I'd come in from a run and my feet were all wet and I'd just like thrown them off and put them in the hallway. Yeah. <laughs> like all my own dirty socks. <laughs> but that's just a real trivial example of a small thing but it made me so annoyed. I was triggering the stress response, literally over dirty socks. Identifying that one trigger started to save me. Plus my boys, when they learned all about this, they're like, oh, we don't ever want to see mom trigger because it's 24 hours for her. Well, it was a little selfish too, because you know, if they asked to use my car, I would say no, when there's no reason why they can't. It's just that I'm protecting myself at that point. Yeah. So they don't want to see me go underline. So they started like picking up and their rooms would be clean. And it was just like all this stuff was happening in the household because we were actually protecting each other mm. from fight or flight. So there can be like this ripple effect, even if just one person in the home starts to change a little bit, there's a ripple effect. And when you share, like I always encourage my clients, you're going to learn something today, share it with somebody. You can yeah. save a life. You don't know what's going on in somebody's head, especially in 2021. You don't know if someone's right on that edge and a simple tool like today, that could be amazing for them. Okay. Our first runner up or second most downloaded of all times is a shame-free discussion on sex. This discussion is with Holly Hayes. She wrote from basement to sanctuary. Holly was a former sex trafficked drug addict and now sharing her story and helping other women get free. We were just kind of sharing her story and I said, let's talk about sex. And her eyes just lit up and she was so excited to share just the truth, the beauty in this gift we call sex and also the the shame that can be surrounded by it the hurt and the healing and everything in between. I love this conversation. Trigger warning, these are some heavy, heavy topics, but I truly love this conversation. And obviously you did too. Second most downloaded of all times. Here we go. This ultimately very good thing when taken by the enemy and used out of context does become evil, but that doesn't make sex bad, right? Um, right. Sex is designed to be beautiful and it's designed, it is good. It is inherently good. And so I say all of that to say, I, I deeply desire that women in the church, that men in the church would see sex as good. And, and I am, I did step into a season of sexual purity. So I spent seven years in sexual purity and abstinence and waiting for marriage to have sex. And, and what happened in that time, you know, there's a lot of kind of like jabs coming out on, on purity culture and like, you know, and that it's, you know, cause it's so linked to shame. Right. And it's so linked right. to you have to do this because it, your identity is linked to it and you're, you've lost your value if you have sex outside of marriage. And those weren't the messages I went into it with. For me, I really went into it with this desire for healing and a desire to actually take the power back and feel truly empowered in my sexuality. And for me, that meant I get to choose when I give myself to someone. And I'm so valuable that a man doesn't have to just pay for me. He has to buy me a ring and he has to stand in front of the altar and commit to a lifetime with me <laughs> in order to get this. You know, I mean, that was like, for me, it was the ultimate empowering act. And so to have had my sexuality exploited to step into that level of empowerment was so beautiful and felt so radical and felt so healing. And I, you know, and I still see it that way today. And I want other women who are single to see it that way. This is the most empowering 
thing you can do in a world that says your sexuality is your value to say, yeah, it is. Yep. And I am so valuable that a man has to buy me a big old diamond ring, get down on one knee, ask my dad for permission, walk down the aisle, stand in front of God and everyone and commit to love me for the rest of my life before they're going to get that from me, because that's how valuable it is. And what an empowering thing, right? Like when the world says it's empowering to sleep around, we're saying, actually, it's empowering to like, get it all committed (laughs) before you do that. Yes. But yes, sex is good. Let's remember that it's good because the church isn't talking about that, or at least not enough. And everything you just said needs to be on a billboard. It'd be a very big billboard, (laughs) but it's so good. I I recorded a solo podcast episode on it and had my sweet assistant who grew up in the church listen to it. She's in her her mid twenties and she's still single. And I was like, listen to this and tell me if it's like uncomfortable for you. And she was like, it was really hard to get through because I think when you have grown up in that culture to talk about sex, like, Hey, it's really good is very countercultural, right? It's like, what's more comfortable is to think sex is bad. Sex is bad. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't even think about it. Certainly don't touch yourself and think about it. Like, you know, just like stay away from it. Run, run, run until you're married and your wedding night and then hit go and be sexy and wonderful and amazing. Which, how's that going, church? Exactly. <laughs> How many, Yeah. I heard someone say that instead of calling it a purity ring, call it a value ring because you always oh, have value. That. Yeah. Isn't that good? And how so, sad to like keep in your value, to not know your value yeah. and to sell it for like a bowl of soup, right? To sell it for like, you know, to sell it for too little, right? Right. And that's like, and I love that, a value ring. That is such a beautiful picture because to teach them that that they have that ultimate value, that's empowering instead of shameful. Yes. Okay. Before I share the number one download, I have to share an honorable mention. This is my recording with Redeeming Love author, Francine Rivers. You guys, to me, Francine Rivers is like Taylor Swift, Bruno Mars, like (laughs) the ultimate fangirl moment was in this interview. She wrote Redeeming Love, which was recently turned into a movie. This book 100% changed my life. I recommend it everywhere I go. I have read it four times and I'm not a reader. So that's saying a lot. And essentially it is a fictional story, a love story based on the book of Hosea, which essentially is just a picture of how much God loves us here on this earth. I can't even handle it. You guys, this is what you need to do. Read the book and then go listen to Corey Asbury's song, Reckless Love. There's this scene in the book and in the movie where Michael goes to like bust down the doors and rescue his bride back, which is also in that song, Reckless Love. Like he says, there's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down coming after me. Read that book. Listen into that song. Listen, you're welcome. It is, it is life-changing. All right. Here is two minutes of my interview with Francine Rivers. Um, I have a quote over here on my bulletin board at my desk that from Anne Lamont. And it says that very few writers know what they've done until they've done it. And I'm curious with this book that has just been, you know, impacted generations at this point. We, so many girls I've talked to, even on this podcast, oh my gosh, redeeming love. Yes. Changed my life. And of course you have so many other life-changing books. Mark of the Lion series was so many, but with redeeming love specifically, as you're sitting down, you know, you enter that final manuscript and it's done. Did you have any idea it would become what it has become? No, not at all. I mean, one thing that I didn't even know that I was touching on sex trafficking, I had no idea. I thought I was writing about something that happened 150 years ago, not now. And it was really 
readers educating me and writing to me about their their stories and telling me what had happened to them and how the book affected them. And I've always felt that, you know, I didn't have that knowledge. I, I didn't know that was all in there. It's just how God can use anything to reach his people, even a work of fiction, which is amazing. He can use anybody, anytime, any way he wants. So that's been an incredible thing. And, and out of the movie, it's what's really kind of thrilling to me is we have the Redeeming Love Sanctuary Foundation that's come out of this movie. Um, I met Holly Caruso, who's the director's wife, and she and I had talked about, um, you know, what we were going to do with proceeds because, you know, we, Rick and I want to give the money to charity. We've mm -hmm. always given the money from Redeeming Love to charity because it's God's first fruits. That's my first book as a born-again Christian. It really belongs to God. And this foundation, it's a way to really focus in on giving it to uh, organizations that are on the front lines of fighting sex trafficking and working with survivors. So we're gi we've given out four grants this year already. Wow. Our, not this year. I mean, 2021 right. or in 2022. But we're just starting out. And that's the vision that we have. Wow. From the movie. But the movie is entertainment but we want something to come from that that'll be really for good purpose to help those that have been really okay here we go our top downloaded episode of all times on the truth for your 20s podcast is dun 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 porn let's talk about it so funny story i did a real slash tiktok promoting this episode i was using a very trending audio and apparently this audio says not good things, but it says it in another language. Everyone was using this little trend and I had no idea. It was live for like about a month or so. And then everyone started saying, this is a bad song. This is a bad song. No idea. Well, since everyone and their brother decided to let me know that it got up to seven, almost 7 million views, 6.9 million views as last I checked. Funny though, those views were from Instagram, not TikTok. It, it was just like a regularly viewed uh, TikTok <laughs> Because people knew and understood over there that it was just a churning audio and a churning song. and But everyone on Instagram was like, wanted to let me know that it was a bad song. I guess a famous person said, hey, in this other language, I don't even know what language it is. It says bad things. And then everyone, whatever, whatever. It's fine. I'm just thankful God can use anything, even a bad song, to help give us light and healthy conversations around the subject. So I was like... Uh, okay, that happened. Well, God can use anything, even a bad song, because this episode has 14,000 downloads, so much incredible conversations, redemption, you know, healing from this conversation. Cassidy and myself had tons of DMs following this episode. I'm so glad that you loved it. I'm so glad that we're talking about pornography, how it is not healthy, how it is not doing our society and our eyeballs and our relationships any favors. And Cassidy openly shares her story. Love this girl. Love this conversation. Here is a clip. And it wasn't until a couple months ago that I decided, like, why don't I just share my whole testimony? And to be honest, like, I'm very, I'm a very open person. And so anybody could ask me, you know, like, what is your biggest struggle? And I'd say, like, oh, you know, relationships, or I'd say not, you know, following God close enough. But I never was vulnerable enough to say pornography. And that was something I, you know, had been introduced to at the age of nine in fourth grade by a friend. She had used her mom's phone to show me stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, like you can delete search history. And so 
ever since then, it spiraled into a you know decade-long addiction that nobody knew anything about. And just recently, like I said, a couple months ago, the Lord put on my heart, like, share your testimony. And I was like, I have been. Like, what are you talking about? And he was like, are you really, though? And I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'm not. And so I started like self-reflecting. And I was like, what am I keeping out of my testimony? And I knew the answer. I just didn't want to know the answer because oh, once girl, you know it, yes. like you got to you got to deal with it. it sounds and like so, Jonah. Like, oh no, I, I'm good, God. I'm good. Look at all the good. Yeah. I did that. I was like, I'm gonna go serve the homeless. He's like, what? This is my testimony. He's like, uh, I want you to share your testimony with sorority women. Like, no, 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 thank you. <laughs> yeah, literally, I was like, yeah, no thanks. I'll stick with my, you know, my polished, very perfect looking testimony. And he was just like, who is that going to help? Who is that going to benefit? Like the made up polished testimony that you have that you've been serving all these people on a silver platter, like that's not helping my people that are far from me. And I was like, oh, shoot. And I could just like (laughs) feel it like I needed to open up about it. And, you know, it's scary, like, you know, having coming from high school where everybody knew you as this like perfect Christian and you have all these friends and you're, you know, somewhat popular to now saying like, I'm broken. I'm not perfect. And I watch this super shameful stuff that I've been watching for years, but I'm not weird. I promise. Like trying to promise people that you're not weird because you've been addicted to this thing for so long. And so I started opening up about it. And it was one video I posted in the car. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to post this out there. Some girl out there will get this. Like I'm sure maybe one person will. And all of a sudden, it just kind of blew up. And I had about, I think it was like 90K before from just posting random stuff about my faith. But after I posted that video, I gained over, I think it was 100,000 followers in a week. And it's all like girls and some guys in there mixed in that are struggling with pornography because nobody talks about it enough. Like, and the one person that does speak out about it, it's like, oh my gosh, like everybody's drawn to it because they want help. They want freedom. They want, you know, somebody to talk to. And so my DMs are flooded with messages. And Part of me feels bad because I'm like, there's no way I can respond to all these messages, you know, in my lifetime. But another part of me is like, I'm so glad these people are searching for something. They're open to getting healing. And so that's kind of just been a long, long story short of my journey so far. But okay, I love it. So this video in the car, I saw it, but give us a little (laughs) breakdown about what you said. Okay, so basically in the car, I was just like, I was just kind of opening up a little bit about, you know, my porn addiction. And I had said, like, you know, if you do struggle with porn, like there is a way out. And I went into saying that pornography causes commitment issues and intimacy issues in humans. And I've seen that very evidently in my life. I dated, you know, guy to guy to guy in high school. And I never figured out, like, maybe it's because I'm clicking from video to video to video. And then I'm going from guy to guy to guy. Like, I never put that together. And I shared that in the video and I got, you know, thousands of messages saying like, oh my gosh, like me and my boyfriend, like we feel the same way. He can't commit to me. He cheats on me. And, you know, I've been, another girl was like, I've been introduced at the age of, I think she was like four. And ever since then, yeah, I've had like a, a history of being abused. And then I, you know, go from guy to guy to guy. I'm just never satisfied. And it was something I had been wrestling with because I'm now in a relationship that I am fully, you know, satisfied with and waiting for marriage and everything. But I have this feeling every now and then like I'm bored, like I want something else. And I had to come to terms with like, that's what it had done to my mental health. Mm -hmm. Like porn had caused that for so long and bringing awareness that and helping other people that are struggling that realize like, it's not doing nothing to you. Like it's not just satisfying you and you're clicking off of it. Like it's harming your mental health. And there's some people that, you know, like you were saying earlier, like the backlash from it and There's some people that are like, no, like I've been with my girlfriend forever and I've been watching it and it's fine. And I'm like, okay, you just like said what I was saying. Like you're, you're not satisfied in that relationship. So you're 
you know, not committing to her. And so you're watching it online, like you're testifying to what I just said. And so it's hard, you know, with those, you know, very, you know, diverse opinions and everything. But that's what I kind of said. And it was taken, you know, for the most part, good. But then on the other part, there was comments where it was like, that's disgusting. You shouldn't be opening up about this. That's not true. Like porn is so good for my mental health. I've been in millions of relationships. And I'm like, no way. Okay, again, testifying what I just said. So I've been learning over the past two years of healing from this addiction is it creates false senses of expectations. Like, the amount of, I mean, like the whole entire thing is a lie. Let's just be honest. Let's just crack it open for what it is. It's a lie. It's two actors or however many actors going on there and pretending that they're satisfied by each other, which the studies have shown most of the actors on there don't even, you know, aren't even satisfied by the end of it. They just fake it all. (laughs) And so I think like if we were really to start, if we want to start educating people, we need to start educating them on the facts and the stats. And what the fact is is that it's a lie. Like you're watching something and you're believing you're going to feel that good. You're going to look that good. Every single time is going to be like that. To be honest, it's not. And I think that's what draws people in is like, it's it looks so perfect. And then they go and they want to experience it and doesn't happen like that because they've molded their minds to being like, okay, well, this is what it's going to look like. And we're going to have to do this. And you know, it's going to be, it's going to look, we have to do all these certain things. And I need to learn how to do all those certain things so that he will be satisfied. And to be honest, like, I guess dating Christians or people of, you know, believers, like sex is a gift from God and God will use that however he wants to within your marriage. And so it's not going to be perfect your first time. You know, it is what it is, but God will make it like his own type of perfect. You know, some of the facts that I've been learning recently that have helped me just disconnect from it is that it's a whole sex trafficking ring. I mean, pornography 100% fuels the, ch- the sex trafficking and human trafficking industry. And by watching these videos, we're supporting that. We're saying like, yes, I support, you know, abuse towards women. I support abuse towards, you know, other people during intimate times. And, you know, I support all these things when in reality, like you're supporting people getting traded. You're supporting people that are getting, you know, whatever, like abused or molested or exploited to like, Imagine if that was your daughter online, your future daughter or whatever online, and you're sitting there watching it and fueling money for them to buy more people to do that thing to abuse people. Like that to me was just like utterly disgusting. I was like, that I'm done. Like after I got educated, I was like, I- I'm so done. Like this is, I mean, it's harmful to you, but it's harmful to people around you. Like you're harming the world around you, you know, like love your neighbor. Yeah, but love the people that are on the screen enough to be like, I'm not going to watch that because I know it's hurting you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening to the Truth For Your 20s podcast. Remember that contest going on. Send me a DM if you have listened to every episode, if you are listening from a different country, and or leave a review on iTunes or Spotify. Simply send a screenshot of your review to me in my DMs. I'm at Katie Bulmer Life.